something to say. Hello everybody, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I released a bonus episode last night. It's crazy. Never really thought that that would be something that I would do, but hey, I did it. Very curious what you thought about that and everything related to it, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we are going to begin the episode, I wish I could play some music, but I'm not, because I can't. But I am going to quote the great Jim Steinman. I've been looking for an original sin, one with a twist and a bit of a spin. I've done the all, I've done all the old ones till they've all been done in. And now I'm just searching, and I'm lost in the wind, endlessly searching for an original sin. Yeah, yeah, that's what today's episode is about. One, because I have the song stuck in my head and it won't come out. And it's just like buried in there like a tick. Which is okay. I'm fine with that. I love Jim Steinman and I will enjoy listening to Jim Steinman even when he plays over and over and over and in my head. Even when voiced by Meatloaf because it was back when Meatloaf was produced and not, not a Trump fan. And like they made him do retakes to make sure he hit notes and stuff. Yeah, what really happened there? Like, that's a whole documentary in and of itself. Anyway, um, this thing has been stuck in my head for several reasons. I am currently working on a new book titled Sanctify My Sins. And yeah, that sins word. That sins word has been a problem. And it's been a problem for a while now. It's been a big problem. And it's mainly... I talked about this a little bit on the live stream. It's actually what I meant to talk about on the live stream. But... I got interrupted by questions and the conversation I had fun with, and so I didn't really talk about it. So I'm talking about it now. So the problem that I'm having here is, one, okay, so I was born Baptist. I converted to Catholicism. I'm now a member of the world's least organized religion, and I'm not going to talk about it any more than that, just because that's not what this is actually about. Anywho, (laughs) trying to tell a story like I am telling in the Mask of the Gods trilogy, um... Yeah, so the first book is about compassion, the second book is about redemption, and the third book, well, it's called Glorify My Name, and we'll talk about that more when we get there. And the biggest problem that I'm having right now is with this concept of redemption, I'm having a problem with the concept of sin, and it's actually not something that I really have that much of a hard time with, because I tend to write what Blake Snyder would call a monster in the house story, and this will be no different. It'll probably be a monster in the house story. I kind of feel like it's going to be most of the stories that I end up writing are monster in the house stories because I really enjoy writing monster in the house stories. I'm sorry. I do. I'm going to try to do other things too, but I, I, I got a problem. My name is Charlie and I like to write monster in the house stories. If you're not sure what that is, I believe that's covered in Blake Snyder's Save the Cat Goes to the Movies. It He breaks down genre into um, different ways than you're used to. It's not sci-fi fantasy, horror, mystery, thriller. He, It's dude with a problem, institutionalized, out of the bottle, monster in the house, and so on and so forth. It's this very interesting way that he breaks down genres, and he makes 
the argument in that book that you can't really tell a popular story that's not one of these these types of stories. And for a long time after I read Save the Cat Goes to the Movies, which I believe is where that's covered, I've read all the Blake Snyder books. And by the way, the Save the Cat app is really fun for doing outline, especially if you're a pantser, but they're not supportive, you know. They're not a sponsor, so I'm not going to say anything more than that, but if they'd like to become a sponsor, I'll definitely talk more about that because I do use it a lot. Okay, so basically in a Monster in the House story, there's a sin that unleashes the monster to the monster and the house that they run around it. Very common, easy to understand examples of this would be the Alien movies, which are some of my favorites. They are sent to the planet by the evil Weyland Yutani corporation and by the way you'll notice this works for all the alien movies um that are worth talking about (laughs) and even a couple that don't that aren't uh okay so they're sent to the evil planet by the weyland yutani corporation and depending on the story the um house is either the ship like the nostromo in the first movie or the base the homestead that they're in in the second or the it was a prison in the third or is that the fourth or both. I, I, yeah. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. The monster, of course, is the xenomorph, and the sin is the greed of the company sending them there to capture this horrible, horrible monster to bring it back. Usually the people involved don't know that that's what they're there for. Sometimes they do, and that's the main difference in perspective that makes Alien 1 and Aliens both good, is they are unwitting in the plot in the first one, they are with one of them. Evil Paul Reiser is wittingly participating in the plot in the second one, and it all works out to be a very entertaining story. There are a lot of Monster in the House type stories. They work. They're they're fun. They're fun to tell, um, and I really enjoy them. And it's not hard for me to come up with a sin in terms of, you know, that thing what let the monster out. Because yeah, that that's that's not a harder thing to think about. Um, Another way to think about this would be like the original Friday the 13th. The sin was the negligent homicide of Jason Voorhees. And the monster would be Jason, though in the first one it turned out that the monster was actually his mother. Um, and the house would be Camp Crystal Lake. So sin, house, monster. The, the plot itself, the idea, the genre itself doesn't care if there's a happy or an unhappy ending. They can defeat the monster, they can be defeated by the monster, it doesn't really matter. It's not part of the core conventions. It's that monster in the house stories are interesting to people, and there you go. It's a very interesting way to think about story, and if you've never read Blake Snyder, whether you adopt any of his ideas or not, you should at least read his books. They have a very interesting way of looking at a, how story works that I rather enjoy. But I'm not talking about that kind of a sin. Because that kind of a sin is, like I said, fairly easy to come up with, right? Why did the monster get out? Duh. There you go. Ba-bam! We've done it. Solved. No. For this story, what I'm looking at is trying to tell a story of a personal failing, or a moral failing, or some kind of a fault that brought about badness. And the reason, like... I could actually go back to the plot of Crucify My Love, which I'm not going to talk about right now, and that was a monster in the house story as well, but because of the way I attempted to tell the story, while hopefully the monster is interesting, the actual 
acts of compassion that are um, performed through the story are hopefully what makes that story interesting. This one is actually, and it, this one is actually about finding redemption for the person who perpetrated the crime, and that gets a lot harder to start plotting out as a story. And this is where I think we, as a community, have to talk about the dreaded, the horrible, the dastardly tropes. Yeah. I've actually thought about doing a series on tropes, but there's a YouTube series um, by Overly Sarcastic Productions that's really good about tropes, and I don't know that I would have much to add over and above what she did, so definitely go check that out if you're not familiar with a lot of tropes. She did a really good job talking about those. Um, but it becomes problematic in a story like this because when you're dealing with a high fantasy setting, there are some almost expected types of sins that could or should be committed, right? They accidentally summoned a dark god. They purposefully summoned a dark god. They accidentally opened a bottle and let a monster out. They accidentally opened a door and let the, let a monster out. In my, my favorite It Never Comes Up Again story in Outlaws on the Marsh, the book actually opens with a minister of the Chinese government at the time of the empire demanding to be seen, de demanding to be shown the interior of a room at a uh, um, Taoist shrine and them saying no, no, no. And he finally comes back with the orders and they have to open the door. And when he does, um, something like 144 demons escape because he had to see what was in there and he didn't believe that it was all these oogie boogie spirits because that's not really a thing and then all these demons escape and it's never brought up again in the story it's i think a framing device used to explain why all the crazy things happen later in the story that like well the demons were let loose so of course we have nothing but crime and bad guy villainy running around in the marshes now kind of thing but i, I i've often kind of wanted to write my own version of outlaws of the marsh where they go and have to round up all the spirits then. Because, I don't know, that's the kind of stories that I like. But that's not the story that was told in that book. So, if you ever decide to read Outlaws on the Marsh, it's an entertaining read. I, I recommend it, if you're, especially if you're interested in uh, Chinese fiction. Um, I, I kind of read it as a uh, proto-wuxia um, novel when I was first studying that genre. It's, it's really big. It's a lot of stories. I believe the version that I have is four print volumes. It's big, a lot, a lot of stories. But uh, don't, don't, don't get your hopes up from that opening chapter because the demons will never be mentioned again. But I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've probably read or seen a lot of TV shows or whatnot. For instance, you can just go down the list of why and how every season and/or episode of Charmed re happened. Like, what, what was the uh, inciting incident? And there you go. There's your list. Because <laughs> that's what they did, right? Somebody did something stupid. Bad thing happened. Somebody intentionally did something bad. And bad things happened. It, it, it's a very short list of what you expect in these kinds of stories. And I really don't want to write any of them. And that's partially on me as a writer and it's not like some weird bravado thing of i want to be original or something it's as a fan of the genre i have seen those stories so many times i don't 
necessarily want to retell one of them, but then that causes a problem. I, I don't know what to do that's different. And this episode isn't just me blathering on about my own struggles in writing, but I think a problem with the fantasy genre in and of itself is we really only have a few fathers of fantasy, which, unlike science fiction, that had a lot of early experimenters in the field of what would eventually become science fiction, which allowed for a lot more variety in the types of stories that would be told, mainly because science fiction was much uh, more heartily embraced by the pulp fiction um, market. And so, you know, they were trying just about everything. So there's noir sci-fi, and there's alien invasion sci-fi, and there's all this stuff out there. When, when you actually look at what's available for fantasy, well, there's the Tolkien-like sci-fi, I mean, fantasy, and there's the Michael Moorcock-like fantasy, and there's the Robert E. Howard-like fantasy that is either descendant from Conan or Solomon Kane, because I, I think I'm the only one who ever read Bran Mockmorn. You ever read Bran Mockmorn? You should read it. It's fun. I like Robert E. Howard. Um, there's kind of the Lovecraftian thing, which kind of gets brought in somewhat, and it usually gets mixed with the Michael Moorcock kind of Elric-type fantasy. There's the comedic fantasy that you see with, like, Terry Pratchett and uh, Piers Anthony and all them, kind of. They're, they're at least the first. I'm not saying that they were the actual first, but they're the first ones that I encountered that did that kind of fiction. And then you have kind of the uh, Mists of Avalon. I'm being kind of quasi-realistic and very philosophical in how I'm retelling these old fantasy stories so that they seem real, which, like, if it wasn't for Mists of Avalon, you really wouldn't have a Game of Thrones, I don't think. I feel like one necessarily leads to the other. And we, we don't have as many strange sources to pull from because most fantasy is based either on fairy tale or legend, and fairy tale or legend follows fairly, fairly simple and straightforward stories. And so, like, whether you're a fan of Koshade the Deathless, as I am, and I'm desperately trying to find a way to fit him into the story, I kind of hoped this would be the one, but I don't think it is. Um, I will find a way to write about you, Koshade. I will. It shall be done. The very fact that I can kind of name out the four or five ways that this kind of, hmm, I don't want to say trope, because it's, I don't think it's a trope in and of itself, but that this kind of violation of the ethical standards of a society can be breached in a way that affects more than just the person who did it in a magical and or fantasy setting, I can kind of count them on one hand. And where this becomes problematic for me is, as a fan of fantasy, I know that one of the things that kind of eats at me a bit in dealing with these stories is when I see people try to go off the reservation, and it's often not a satisfactory type story. And that's a problem with being a fan of genre. See, I, I can think of a few times where fantasy has tried to violate these ideas for me. And the two that I'm going to bring up are related, are interrelated with each other, and they're both from the Final Fantasy series, 
so hopefully more of you will be familiar with them. And that is um, Sephiroth and Genova in Final Fantasy VII, which is kind of like trying to summon the Elder God, but it's kind of a riff on that. And um, Sin in Final Fantasy X, which is trickier to explain if you didn't play the game. Basically, and uh, spoiler warning for anybody who wants to play Final Fantasy X and hasn't yet, even though it's been out for quite some time and don't want to know how it ends, basically you, you find out that Sin is a plot by the leaders of the faith to keep people on the straight and narrow, kind of. And so basically there are all of these trials that are set up to train a summoner to be able to defeat Sin, and when they do, the curse goes from one to the other, and they become the new Sin. And that's how it works. Whoever kills Sin will become the next Sin, and that's how the process repeats itself. And I'm not even going to talk about 10-2, or X-2, or whatever I'm supposed to call it. But anyway, that's the basic gist of the story. And those are novel twists on the idea, and it's interesting to see how people talk about them, because Genova, when I talk about her with friends of mine, is often lumped into an alien invasion story, even though that's not how it's actually played out in the game. Yeah. So, as we start out with, you know, I, I'm just looking for an original spin. You know, one with a twist and a bit of a spin. And since I've done all the old one ones till they've all been done in, I'm desperately seeking, and I'm gone with the wind, desperately seeking for an original sin. You know, I think, you know, series like Full Metal Alchemist did an interesting idea with it until the uh, grand reveal about the other world, and that's when the series lost me. It really did. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to talk about that for long. But, you know, trying to figure out how to play within a genre or even enjoy a genre and realizing that there are kind of prerequisite tropes that have to be there or people will complain and if it's just the tropes people will complain it makes for a very interesting thing when trying to come up with a story and if you really want to see this in really profound um contrast Lindsay Ellis did a wonderful video titled, I believe it was The Apotheosis of Bad um, World Building, which is about Bright. And while I'm not here to defend Bright, and I probably wouldn't defend Bright, except for I like the ambition of Netflix trying to do it. And yeah, I wish it would have been better. I wish that more thought had gone in, you know, thought and pre-planning had gone into it. But Hey, it, it, it's an interesting thought, but, you know, this is one of those cases that proves the point it's not the thought that counts. Like, you know, good hell is paved with good intentions, and while I won't say that everybody involved in the movie had good intentions, I, I think the idea of trying to launch their own original um, fantasy franchise was brave of them, because most people don't do that. They just buy one that's popular. It's like, it's like what's going on with, you know... Amazon Prime right now, where I'm all excited because we're finally going to get a good Omens TV series, and Neil Gaiman seems to be happy with it, so that's cool, and American Gods is a pretty good adaptation, so maybe it will be too. 
but I've already read Good Omens. <laughs> I've already read American Gods. I, I, I went new. I went fresh. I don't want just retellings of stories that I've already gotten. Like, that's not what I want. Like, I... Eh, it's just not what I want. And that's kind of where I feel like most genre fiction is, where you just kind of sit back and retell the stories that you loved. Maybe this... Maybe the actual point of this episode is that we need to have an organization called Fantasy Fans Anonymous where we can get together and actually figure out what it is that we want. Because my own issues with writing are more an issue with my fandom than they are with my own creative process. Because, like, we're not done with the first season of Dragon Prince, um, the Dragon Prince yet, because we've decided to take it slowly so that we can digest it. It's not the show that I wanted. I, I can't tell you why, and it, that's not like spoilers or whatnot. Like, I haven't figured out what it is. Like, it's missing something, but I don't know what. And when we do our review episode on it, hopefully I will have figured it out by then and be able to actually talk about it with some, you know, more logical way of speaking than what I have right now, which is just broken words because I got my brain thinking about other things. Like, what is it about that series that I feel is missing? And I think I might get there. Like, I hope it gets more seasons. I, I'm curious. I'm wanting to see more. But it, it wasn't fulfilling for me. There was something lacking in it. It wasn't candy, which is good, you know. But, you know, it wasn't completely flavorless like Bright was. Though I have to say, for all the hate that's given on Bright, and I've said this on the podcast before, if you haven't checked out the soundtrack for it, check out the soundtrack for it. There's some good songs on, the, on there. Broken People by Rag and Bone Men is worth that movie having been made. But I think we're kind of at a point where fantasy has matured to a point where fantasy fans like me, who, I mean, I've been watching fantasy TV shows since I was a little kid. I've been reading fantasy books since I was a little kid. I've been watching fantasy movies since I was a little kid. I mean, for goodness sakes, I watched the, I think every one of the Darkstalker, Deathstalker movies. I'm not going to say that I saw all of them. I saw like seven of them. I don't know how many there are. I do remember watching Deathstalker 7. So there may be more after that that I missed, but you know, I'm that fantasy fan, right? If it had anything that remotely looked like a fantasy cover when I went to rent a movie, I rented it. And that's how I got into anime <laughs> initially is, ooh, that looks like fantasy and started watching stuff. And that's how, you know, my life has gone, right? And I don't think that this is a factor of my age because while I'm 41 going on 42, I've talked to a lot of fans that are younger than me and I see that problem in them, too. We want more of our fantasy fiction than we've been getting. But we don't know what that more is. Like, Harry Potter was close. And I think Harry Potter really scratched an itch for a lot of us because it wasn't a traditional quest story by turning them into cozy mysteries as opposed to quest stories. It changed enough in the setting to make them interesting. And... By continuing, you know, and that I think is one of the divides when it comes to the Fantastic Beast movies, because I thought the first one was amazing, and it's mainly because I fell in love with Newt's Commander, because I, I am Newt's Commander in so many ways, it's not even funny. Like, I saw myself in the Harry Potter world for the first time, in the Wizarding World for the first time, that just, that just amazed me. But anyway is they're different kinds of stories and they're trying to look at fantasy in a different way and they're trying to tell stories that are fantasy but different kind of 
And I think that's where we're at is fantasy is trying to stretch into other realms. And some of us have started playing with elements of magical realism and that's nifty and for some that works out and for some that doesn't. And, you know, we're, we're playing with things and trying to do stuff, but it's not going to be like the problem with bright is I think they thought it was a fresh and original because it was a, I don't want to say a buddy cop movie because they weren't buddy cops, but it was basically lethal weapon with orcs and elves. And that's an interest. Like I see the high concept and how that was probably pitched. And it was probably pitched like that, right? We're going to do lethal weapon, but it's going to be about orcs and with, but we're going to have orcs and elves and there's going to be a dragon flying over LA and it's going to be crazy. And that's interesting. And a dude I know named uh, Keith, DeCandido is writing a book of fantasy procedurals right now, and he just started a new Kickstarter. So if you're interested in any of that, go check that out. But at least for Bright, that wasn't enough because I thought that, I think that they thought that they could get away with what they did because, well, we can just say Dark Lord and people will conjure up a backstory, and we can say Orc and people will conjure up a backstory, and we can say Elf and it, people will conjure up a backstory. And honestly, when I first started watching the movie, I did. You know, that was something that happened. And as the movie wore on and it got into what little lore it had, and I realized that they weren't going to give me as much as I wanted, and the buddy cop portion, like it went from lethal weapon to die hard, except for with cops and one of them's an orc. Because maybe the Lethal Weapon storyline didn't work out. Like, that that's not enough. You know? Just kind of mashing up genres in. That's not enough. That, that's not what we're looking for. And I think it's one of the reasons why I don't find the Song of Ice and Fire books to be all that interesting. Because they're basically historical fiction with a little fantasy thrown in for spice. They're set in a secondary world, so technically I guess they're fantasy. And that's not what I'm looking for. And it is for some people, but it's not what I'm looking for. And when I talk to other fans of fantasy fiction, it doesn't seem to be what they're looking for either. But I don't think any of us actually know what it is. Hopefully we'll know it when we see it, and we'll be able to share it around and know. Maybe I'll be lucky and hit on at least part of it in the books that I'm writing. Because I feel like I got closer with Crucify. But I'm telling a different kind of story with the same characters in Sanctify. And I'm searching for that original sin. You know, one with a twist and a bit of a spin. I know, I've been quoting Jim Steinman a lot in this episode. So I, I'm curious to know what you all think, especially if you're a fan of fantasy fiction. Because I think that's, what, for me, one of the things that get, got really depressing is I got really excited about steampunk. And then steampunk turned out to be general fiction genres but with steam powered things in it and that, that that that's not it that's not what i'm looking for well sometimes that's what i'm looking for but you know i already had my gaslight fiction when i was younger and i know there's a difference between steampunk and gaslight fiction i understand that but that's not what i'm talking about right now yeah huh so if you have any ideas and would like to actually share them with me, you can go to anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. In so doing, you can then follow me, Project Shadow, on Anchor, and you can leave me a one-minute message. 
You can do a call in at any time. Keep it clean. I like to try to keep this podcast clean. And if it's good, if it's interesting, I'll use it on the show. You never know. Um, it can be a question. It can be a comment. It can be the answer to my question. What are we looking for? What is the original sin that we're seeking after? And that would be awesome. Yeah. So much going on. If you want to contact me on social media, you can do so at a lot of different places. I'm CE Dorset on Twitter. Probably best to try to contact me on Twitter. Because, you know, Twitter's kind of the thing that I do. Yeah. I like Twitter. Anywho. Um, so, yeah. Definitely check, check me out over there. Um, I would also recommend, if you're curious about the live streams, like the bonus episode that I put in yesterday, um, follow me on Periscope so that you get notified when I do live streams over there. I'm CE Dorset on Periscope. Because I think I'm probably going to be doing more of those, and they probably will not be showing up on this stream, you know, on this podcast. So if you want more of that kind of thing, go over there and follow me there. If you can rate what this episode or this podcast and whatever you're listening to me on, please do that. That helps me out a lot. I know from looking at my most recent statistics that um, I almost said that I was tied between Android and iOS. I kind of am, but... At least you all kind of are, except for there's a Apple still wins out because of the people on uh, iTunes desktop listening. And hi, but we got some people at Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Anchor, hey, and other, which is actually where most of you are listening. So I don't know where, where, where that is, but hi, I'd like, like to know where you're listening. But if you can rate me in whatever app you're currently listening to me on, um, either this episode or the podcast itself. I know a lot of you actually listen, listen on Tumblr, and thank you for that. Hi. Um, yeah, definitely check me out on those, and rate, it really does help. If you would like to help financially in whatever app you're listening to, you'll either see a support button or a link in the show notes that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support at the $1, $5, $10 a month level. That really does help out a lot. It helps me to know that you like what I'm doing and helps me to do more of the stuff that I'm doing here. Um, if you'd like to support everything that I do, go to patreon.com slash CE Dorset and you can support me over there. And over there, that, you know, supports everything, including the work that I'm doing. And actually, I think I'm going to start a uh, level over there for podcast listeners who want to be in on what the uh, picking topics for the podcast or at least putting polls over there because I can do that over there. Um, yeah. If you want to fo follow me or anything, just go to projectshadow.com. You can find links to everything that I do there. Thank you all for listening and for everything. You guys are amazing. And gals, I get up, I get frustrated because I use guys for everything because as you know, I don't think of myself as male and I think of myself as a guy. So I don't know. I don't mean to be offensive with that. People. <laughs> Until next time we talk. I'm Charlie. Have the fun. Bye.